Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. And a very good Friday morning to you as we welcome you along to the final one of the week, hoping we find each and every one of you in super form and in some way looking forward to the weekend. It's going to be a quiet weekend, I think, for most of us, but sure, there's something nice about that as well, isn't there? John Paul and Sadie are taking your calls at 1850 333 103. If there's anything you want to share with us this morning, you can text, you can WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. And I can already see some texts coming in about a topic that dominated the programme yesterday and that was when we had Becky Keeley who joined us on the programme who was raising the issue of people not being allowed to go to Mass because of course we've moved into level three which means that there is restrictions on religious services and all religious services had to move online with places of worship only open for private prayer and that had upset so, so many people Christine from Cork has been on uh, to say as Catholics in Ireland Christine feels we've become docile and we've become compliant with the world. Yes, obedience is very important, says Christine. However, we have a voice and we need to speak out more. I feel Catholics need to wake up and stand firm in our faith. And that's from uh, Christine. And then today we are hearing that the four archbishops of Ireland have requested that people be allowed to start going back to Mass under the Level 3 restrictions which we find ourselves under at the moment and I don't know if this is a first or not that all four archbishops are coming uh, together and they have written to the Taoiseach Michal Martin and they are seeking a meeting to discuss the issue and saying look can you please allow people to go to Mass on Sunday or on weekdays but they want the churches to reopen to allow people to attend at Mass. We've got the Archbishop of Armagh, Eamon Martin, the Archbishop of Dublin, Dermot 
Martin. The Archbishop of Toom is Michael Neary and then the Archbishop of Cashel and Emily is Kieran O'Reilly and they have collectively all four uh, written to Micheál Martin. Now under level two, religious services, this is where we had been up to midnight of last Tuesday, up to 50 worshippers were able to go into a place of worship once there was protective measures were put in place. You know, social distancing was there. There had to be a one-way traffic in and out of the church and there to be removal of all uh, communal prayer items. I mean, you know, people spoke about how well supervised Mass had been in their local church. And I think the strongest thing that came across yesterday was that people felt safe when they went to Mass. And a number of people yesterday made the point that they felt safer inside in their local church on a Sunday attending Mass than they did when they went into their local supermarket or when they went into their local restaurant. And people felt for that reason, why were almost people of a faith being picked on that they wouldn't be allowed to attend a religious service? In the letter, the archbishops say they fully respect the public health guidelines, but they say religious service services provide essential spiritual nourishment for parishioners. They say we wish to engage constructively with the civil authorities to ensure that our people have continued access to the support of Mass and the sacraments and essential spiritual nourishment for these challenging times. The letter also said these are not simply gatherings of people but they are profound expressions of who we are as a church. The archbishops also noted that they are acutely aware that for parishes and individual Catholics, the loss of those spiritual supports can be a source of great anxiety and fear. And then they're fearful that it can have a detrimental impact on the overall health and uh, well-being. And they've now requested a meeting with the Taoiseach in the coming days. Will it be in time for Mass this weekend? I don't know. I simply don't know. It depends, I suppose, on how busy Micheál Martin is and will he be able to find the time to meet with the for archbishops and even when he meets with them it's not to say that he's going to change his mind I'm assuming he's going to have to go back to cabinet I'm assuming he's going to maybe have to go back and talk with Neffert uh, to see what they have to say and then of course the archbishops are will be there fighting on behalf of the Catholics but it isn't just Catholics that are affected by this the restrictions are on all religious services moving online and the, all place, places of worship are closed to religious services. They can only open to private prayer. So it's affecting Church of Ireland. It's affecting the Jewish community. It's affecting the Muslim uh, community. Anywhere where people go to meet and prayer, if there's any kind of a service, they're not allowed to have it at the moment. So we'll, we'll follow that one with great interest. I don't know if anything's going to break this morning or not, but if it does, I certainly will bring it to you. And then an email in overnight from Mar to Patricia at C103.ie saying, I heard that lady yesterday who was suggesting that we go, we have a full lockdown in this country. Well, the figures figures later that day showed Cork now almost as high as Dublin. And a reasonable analysis of this is that level three is now starting to work in Dublin. And after two weeks, we should hopefully see the same reduction in Cork. Hence, strongly disagree with anyone advocating for a full lockdown, as even the World Health Organization has said. 
they don't work and they're actually bad for society. Kind regards and that's from uh, Morris. And Morris is right. The number of COVID-19 cases here in Cork is now approaching the same numbers in Dublin. There were 76 new confirmed cases in in Cork yesterday and that was just 15 fewer than were confirmed for the capital, bearing in mind that Dublin has three times the population of what we have here in Cork City and uh, County and yet we were only 15 away on the numbers uh, yesterday. There was 506 confirmed cases yesterday, 91 for Dublin, the 76 here in Cork, 53 in Donegal, 42 in Meath and then the remaining 244 cases, they were across 21 counties so I take it there wasn't a county in Ireland yesterday that didn't have some confirmed cases of COVID-19. Now infection rates have increased significantly here in Cork. Rates have more than doubled in one constituency. This is the Cork City South Central area. They have gone from 111 cases per 100,000 last week to 240 cases per 100,000 this week. That is really shocking. And then the next highest area for Cork uh, is it's uh, Cork South Cork City South Central is the highest one, followed by Cork City South West and then Cork City North East. Now, John Paul has gone through the figures that were released yesterday from the local electoral areas and he will join us later on in the programme. He does this every Friday. We will be able to look across the city and county and take a look at the areas that has, have increased week on week. It's the 14-day working average, running average. So we will know, we know there was a lot of cases reported across this week. People want to know where were those cases, what part of the city and uh, county. I can tell you that the areas of Canturk and Bantry are still almost virus free. Both of those areas are still down for the last two weeks and they were the same the two weeks previously. Less than five cases detected, which means the number is anywhere from zero to four. So you could practically say that they are virus free, the Canturk and the Bantry electoral areas. There are now 27 people with COVID-19 in intensive care units. That's nationwide. And the total number of confirmed cases of people who've had to be hospitalised with COVID-19 is now at 157. Those numbers are rising on a daily basis. The HSC Director General, Paul Reid, warned that the hospital emergency departments could be overwhelmed if the cases continue to rise. The country is to remain on level three restrictions. No further recommendations were made by Neffet yesterday. However, Neffet says it remains deeply concerned by the rising number of cases, adding that the situation has deteriorated further, even since they made that shock recommendation to move to level five last Sunday. So they were saying we were worried last Sunday. We thought we needed to move to level five. We're even more worried now as we head to towards the close of the week. The HSE's chief clinical officer, that's Colm Henry, he warned that the exponential rise in cases would mean 1,200 to 1,400 cases per day in a month's time by the 7th of November unless the course was reversed. He said it is a tough and a tedious message, he said, but adherence to current level three restrictions and beyond 
could shift the course. And then the Health Minister, uh, Stephen Donnelly, last night telling the, the DAW that he was taken aback by Neffet's recommendation to move to level five on uh, Sunday. And can I just say that whole row that has raged all week over who in government knew what and when about that recommendation from Neffet. Is it annoying anyone else or is it just me? Every time I seem to switch on the TV, they're trying to blame somebody. I mean, even the papers today, absolutely full of it. Stephen Donnelly on the Daily Mail has a has a big headline there saying he's been blamed and that the health minister's own colleagues are lining up to have a swipe at him. But he says he did tell the Taoiseach of the discussions with Dr Tony Houlihan, but he says it was about moving to level four. And everyone has come in before the doll are coming out in public saying, I got a text message, I sent it on, I made a call, I didn't know about that and I'm just thinking lads would you just move on from it please does it really matter who knew what or when or who let it slip to the media I know the letting it slip to the media probably did cause a lot of fear amongst people on this Sunday night but it's just this over and back I didn't know he didn't tell me I told him I just think we're living in the middle of a pandemic we have a lot more to be worrying about rather than worrying about who told who and what day and what time did that text message uh, go 1850 John Paul and Sadie are taking your calls we'd love to hear from you this morning you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 Glad to see that somebody else agrees with me with this row that's going on and it's raged all week as to who in the government knew what and what time did they know it and who rang who and who texted to and somebody says Trisha I'd love to knock their heads together they're like kids in a playground yeah I just had that sense about it as well there's a lot more that we need to be worried about at the moment Uh, Michael says Patricia the topic uh, that is dominating every news on radio and TV stations in the country at the the moment is the topic of lockdowns and what none of the commentators are telling us that locking businesses down you just ruin them and it will cause mayhem take bars as an example bars were closed down and off licences were left open off licences in Michael's opinion have done more damage in this country than anything else bars did not cause the spread of Covid as they weren't open at the time and the sad thing is that a lot of them will never reopen again yet off licences are flourishing uncontrolled suppressing COVID-19 is only a temporary measure because when you take the pressure off it's going to roar back to life. Herd immunity is a long way off if ever. In the meantime we have to learn to live with it as we have a long, long way to go. Every day it's becoming more and more imperative that everyone wears a good quality mask and that's not a shield or a face visor. Yes, good quality masks are out there. The vaccine, you will not have a vaccine overnight. That is only wishful thinking. Yes, you will have many hit and misses. A cobbled together vaccine will kill more than it will cure. Putting out fake data is mighty, mighty dangerous and in Michael's opinion is actually criminal. Stick with us, Michael, on the face visors because we're in a couple of minutes going to be speaking with an actual a Dublin GP who has gone so far as to say we should be banning face visors he feels that they're that unsafe that they really are not working they're not protecting people and in some countries that's what they've done they've looked at the science of the visors 
first is the face mask and they realise that visors are not giving enough protection and I know for people listening who wear visors you're not going to want to hear that but there is scientific evidence there that the visor you're wearing is not giving the same protection than if you were wearing a face mask and I absolutely accept there are people who've tried the face masks and literally cannot wear them and rather than go out and not wear any kind of a face covering they're wearing face visors instead but we will uh, talk about it in more detail in a couple of minutes on the programme 1850 333103 Nora uh, Nora Mary wants to know are, are there restaurants open in Mallow? Yeah I think every single town has restaurants open you're going to have to check in with individual restaurants any restaurant that has outdoor seating miserable this morning though but it's meant to brighten up as the day goes on I don't know how, how outdoor seating is working for a lot of places if they have outdoor seating yes but they can only have no more than 15 people at a time a lot of restaurants are trying to do their bit to stay open during these three weeks by doing takeaway so I, I would say to people check in with your local restaurant and just see and we've got to all try and give our restaurants as much support as we can so if you know of a restaurant in your area and you fancy an evening where you don't want to do the cooking this weekend maybe make contact with your local restaurant and keep it as local as you can to keep the money flowing through the economy and you're going to be keeping local people in jobs as well so yes there are restaurants open but you need to check in with I don't know what restaurant in particular you're looking for so just check in with your restaurant uh, to see if if they're opened or uh, not this is on masses and the church oh this is lovely hi Patricia in our parish The priest says Mass every morning behind closed doors and we sit in our cars and we listen to it on our speakers. Isn't there something really, really lovely about that? There's a community now coming together and all socially distanced, but they're sitting in their cars listening to the priest and the poor old priest is behind closed doors. But he knows he's got his his community and he's his congregation outside in the car. That's a lovely, lovely idea. I don't know how many other churches are actually doing that. And somebody said, as they're allowing hotels to remain open and yet they're closing down churches with no cases, not making any sense at all to me. Patricia, listening to the comments yesterday about the churches being closed for religious services and somebody was commenting that God won't mind. Well, we don't go to a religious service and we don't go to Mass to please God. We are going for our own being. You don't do it just to please God. 1850-333-103. And if anybody wants to chip in on this morning, Patricia, I'm wondering about the three network. It doesn't seem to be working in the Kildare area, surrounding areas. Nearly a week now, people can't make or receive a call. It's shocking. And that's from a worried listener who can't ring family even in the area. Are others having a problem? And I'm assuming you've reported to the three network. It seems to be an issue in the Kildare and surrounding areas. Are many others being affected by that? Uh, Let us know if you can call us or text us some other way other than on your phone, please do 1850 Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. And thank you to somebody who said the sun is shining in Skibbereen. It's coming your way, Patricia. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103 103. Now, listeners to the programme have been asking about visors and are they as effective as face masks when it comes to the spread of coronavirus? Well, one Dublin GP is so against the use of visors that he's actually called for them to be banned. Dr Matthew O'Toole uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Matt. 
Good morning and thanks for having me. Hey, well, you're very welcome to the programme. Do you think these face visors are of no use? So yeah, I mean, look, we're getting an increasing amount of research that basically shows that they're basically next to useless. Uh, I mean, there was a, a really significant story that was released on Monday that showed that, um, you know, that, that they may block maybe 2% of potentially harmful aerosols. Like, So that means that 98% of them can get through. So they are essentially next to useless. And I suppose the concern that we had was, versus other countries, we have adopted visors like essentially no other country in the EU and Ireland. So really, it's, it's the exception to the rule in most other countries. But I'm seeing, as a GP, more and more people wearing them in the community and more and more people wearing them in, a, in the hospitality industry. And just people need to know that they are essentially next to useless. They don't protect you and don't protect anyone around you. And that's just a really important conversation that we need to have. Some countries have gone so far as to ban them. They have, and we're seeing an increased number of countries. So I suppose the first district in the world to do that was Victoria in Australia, and that was they had a very large COVID outbreak, as you know, in the state of Victoria mm-hmm. around Melbourne, and they did a huge amount of research on this. And they found that look, sizes were useless. They banned them. Switzerland have banned them, and they did another very big study in Switzerland where they looked at outbreaks in several restaurants in in, in Geneva, and what they showed was that anyone in the restaurant staff or or a visitor that was wearing a mask didn't get COVID, but every single person who wore a visor did. So Switzerland have moved towards banning them unless you wear them with a mask. And even our near neighbour Scotland are doing the same. So now in Scotland, uh, you're allowed to wear a visor, but you have to wear a mask with it. So look, we're, we're kind of a bit behind the curve, for want of a better word, and I just think it's important that we kind of start copying these countries because they're, they're not doing it for the craft, they're doing it out of, out of huge concern. And yeah, and when visors first came in, uh, Matt, the whole idea was that you wore it with a face mask, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, if you, if you think of it, it's really simple. So the reason why masks work is that they create a seal around the nose and around the mouth, and that's what makes masks really effective. When you see visors, they don't create any seal whatsoever. And I wear a visor as a doctor, but I always wear it with a, with a mask. And what we've, we're seeing is more and more people just wearing them with, with no mask or wearing visors alone, and that's just not working. They're just not effective. And I think they're giving people a, a false sense of security, but actually they're as vulnerable as anyone else. But when I looked up the HSE for their advice, their public health advice, now they do point out that they're not as good as wearing a face covering, but they they say you still get some level of protection. So are they better than nothing? So, I mean, they probably are better than wearing absolutely nothing, but only just. And if you think of it, I mean, we're in the middle of a pandemic and I think we should aspire to wear something that's a little bit better than just about wearing nothing, you know. Um, and as I said, I expect the HSE guidance on that to change because we have had senior people with the Nefin, including Ronan Glynn, express his concern at the level of, 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 of advisors that are, that are being worn by the public. So I expect that to hopefully change on the HSE website within the next week. Yeah, and certainly lots of people saying that restaurants, every time they're in a restaurant, the staff are wearing them. Some are saying uh, at my local hairdresser and beautician, they all wear the face visor. These are people who are dealing with the public. So would that concern you? Yeah, I mean, I suppose there's a few different groups. I suppose the, the biggest concern would be the hospitality industry and hairdressers. And I don't know if you've had your hair cut by somebody wearing a visor, but you can actually feel their breath coming down on top of you. So in those situations, what the visor is actually doing is, is funneling all their breath down on top of you. And whether that's your food or whether that's down on top of you when you're having your hair cut, it does significantly increase the risk of those who the, 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 the person who's wearing the visor is looking after. Obviously, there are cases, for example, um, you know, teachers in a classroom where everyone else is wearing a mask, it might be easier for them to wear a visor because 
if they're, for example, kids in the class that need to lip read. But certainly in the hospitality industry, you know, hairdressers, where they're in very close contact with people, I just think they're a bad idea and they actually increase the risk of infection because if you have COVID and you're a barber or you're a hairdresser, and you're wearing a visor, you're, as I said, you're funneling all that COVID down on top of your, your patrons. So they're just not a good idea. I'm delighted to report that my wonderful hairdresser, Anne, always wears a face covering, never wears a <laughs> visor. So cl- glad to report that. Talk to me, though, about um, face covering, be they disposable or re- reusable. Explain the role that they play in stopping the spread of COVID-19. Yeah, it's very simple. Like, I mean, COVID-19 is, is spread um, via um, um, droplets. So you create droplets by exhaling, so breathing either out through your nose or out through your mouth. So if you have COVID and you're wearing a face covering, you physically cannot, it's creating a barrier, you, you cannot transmit the COVID onto other people. So that's the single most important thing about it. And we know that over half of people that have COVID don't have symptoms. So by simply putting on a face covering, you're, you're protecting those around you. It's also protective for those that are wearing them as long as they're wearing them properly. And that's the big caveat, because as you know, we're seeing people who are not wearing them properly. They have their nose hanging out. They've got the mask where, you know, around their neck, you know. So if it's worn correctly, it's very good. Members of the general public should wear, um, should, should not wear wear disposable masks because they should be really used by um, those who are working in clinical care, so doctors and nurses. Uh, you should wear, you know, a homemade face covering, a cloth face covering is the way to go. And as long as you wear them properly, they're really, really, really protective. They protect you against getting COVID. But again, if you have COVID and you don't know about it, you'll protect everyone around you. So the, the evidence is getting stronger and stronger with every day that masks are the way to go. And if we're all wearing our masks correctly and we're all doing social dis- distancing, would you expect to also see less flu this year? Oh, 100%. And again, using the state of Victoria as an example, so they've, as I said, banned visors, but they, again, mandated that people had to wear, much like we do, uh, masks or face coverings in indoor settings. And they have had the, 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 the quietest flu season on record in Australia because of social distancing, because of face coverings, and importantly, because everybody has been reducing their, their their social interactions. So, I mean, I would be very hopeful that we will have our best flu season to date in Ireland, purely because the measures that we take for COVID-19 are equally effective at reducing the number of flu cases. So I hope this year, on top of everything else, that at least we'll have a, a quiet flu season, because, as you know, the big concern that we have is the whole health service will become overwhelmed. So we need to hope that you know everything goes in our favour this year Yeah fingers fingers crossed Could you clarify this uh, a listener wants to know um, Hi Patricia um, Could your doctor clarify this If someone tests positive for COVID-19 I thought the people living with that person should be tested as they would be a close contact but I've heard doctors say that you only get tested if you have symptoms but surely they could be asymptomatic It sounds a bit ridiculous if they're not tested yeah, so all, all close contacts do get tested. So close contacts include people that you're living with. So 100% that listener is correct. So if you are a close contact, the HSE will contact you and will offer you a COVID test on day zero and then another one on day seven. Now, importantly, whether your test is, is negative or positive, you need to restrict your movements for 14 days if you're a close contact. So what we're seeing is GPs are people have negative COVID tests and then they start going about their lives as normal. It doesn't matter if your COVID test is negative. If you're a close contact, you need to restrict your movements for 14 days and that's really important. And unfortunately, that message really hasn't gotten out there yet. Okay. And uh, very finally, Matt, you're you're Dublin-based. You've been in level three weeks before we have. We're only coming to the, uh, we're only into the first week of level three here in Cork. Is it working in Dublin? So yeah, I mean, myself and my colleagues here, we're in a, in a practice in Ranelagh and we've uh, eight GPs and about 15,000 patients. And this week we have seen a significant stabilisation 
in the number of people who are requesting COVID-19 testing uh, and a very slight reduction. Um, so our hope will be that next week we will start to see a continued downward trend in the number of people looking for COVID-19 tests. So it's a bit too early to be definitive, but certainly what we're seeing on the ground is a reduction in the number of people looking for COVID-19 tests. So it's early days yet, but it does seem to be working a little bit and we'll have far more information next week when we see what the pattern is like. But, you know, I would be hopeful. Are you worried overall by the rising numbers? I'm very concerned. As I said, I think Dublin has been three weeks in level three, so it would make sense that we would see things improve. I think the figures in the north are very, very, very concerning. I mean, if you were to take the 900 cases that they have in the north, that would be equivalent to somewhere between three and 4,000 cases a day here. We're all part of one island, and we're seeing that particularly in Donegal and Monaghan. So I would be really concerned, given the situation up the north, and that that would spill over here. And um, as I said, you, you know, it is a, it's a huge cause for concern. So we'll have to see how things go. I think the next you know, two to three weeks will be very definitive in terms of what measures would have to be taken and if things don't improve I think it's inevitable that we'll have to move to level four. Okay and Jane, one final text Jane says Hi I totally agree with Dr Matt about face masks I always wear them but I'm lucky I've good eyesight so I don't need to wear glasses How do people with glasses wear those masks? I wear, I've worn a mask with my sunglasses and they just simply fog up Is there an answer for that? Yeah, so there's, there's loads of answers, uh, and this was this is the common question that we get from patients. So you can buy. Um you, there are particular products that are being sold in a huge number of shops now that either they're defogging um, so you can basically buy that or what you can do is you can wash your glasses uh, in, in, in soapy water uh, or in um, dishwash kind of products and if you if you basically let them drip dry that should hopefully stop your glasses from fogging up for a few hours so there's loads of tips and what you can do is just Google them and there's a lo- load of tips there online to see okay, how you can stop your glasses from fogging up Don't use that as the excuse not to wear a face mask basically No, there's okay. no excuse all right, listen, Matt, thank you for that. Um, uh, pleasure talking to you. We'll speak again. Thanks a million. Bye-bye. Uh, that is uh, Dr. Matt O'Toole, who is a Dublin-based GP, telling everybody that the visors simply don't work. They may be a much more comfortable alternative to masks, but they are next to useless. And as I say, I know that's not going to go down with a lot of people because I think Matt is right I certainly when I've been out and about are seeing more and more people wearing the visors because I say it's I think it's because they're so much more comfortable to face masks. But if they're not working, guys, they're just simply not working. 1850-333-103. John Paul and Sadie are taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp 0862. 103103. 103. Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850 333 103. And on the wearing of face masks, the listener said, I have glasses and I've no bother at all with my glasses fogging up. I put them on over the mask and then I squeeze down the mask around the nose. My glasses never fog up, says this listener. Thank you for that. And someone else says, Patricia, why can't people simply see? that visors don't offer adequate protection. It's more than obvious. Just view a person wearing a visor compared to somebody wearing a face mask. They don't offer the same protection. Please wear your mask. 1850 Now this morning, truck drivers took part in a slow drive protest. It's to highlight the narrowness of a stretch of road on the Mallow to Mitchellstown Road, which hauliers say is leading to dangerous driving conditions. Councillor Frank Roach from Castletown Roach once again joins me to remind us why this protest went ahead. Good morning to you, Frank. Good morning, Um Okay, is the, pro- is, is the protest over at this stage? It's over, yes. Okay, it's t- t- tell, us how, tell us what happened. 
Well, there was a number of trucks uh, made up in Kildare, and there was more weighted at any Kisha church, and there was some more weighted from the road coming down from Donrail, the travel road coming onto that road, onto the M73. And they all left their destination at the same time, and they actually met up on the narrow path of the road in water like in Chamblemore. No, uh, it was really, um, I couldn't believe the support that we got from the locals. Now, the trucks turned out in great numbers, and we expected a lot of trucks, but I was absolutely shocked with the amount of local people that turned up in cars and vans and jeeps, and even farmers and tractors, that actually turned up to show their support. Now, I was amazed with the amount of young women who were concerned with kids going to school, um, that worry meeting lorries on the road. Now, we normally talk about the lorries that meet on the road, but these women were actually pointing out that they were afraid on the road themselves meeting the lorries. And, like, it's, it's, it, it is extremely dangerous. And, like, something has to be done with that road. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting because that's people who have to live and drive on that road on a daily basis. Because we had an email in saying, just want to say well done to Councillor Frank Roach for actually trying to highlight the ongoing saga with the road between Kildare and Mallow. I've been on to numerous politicians myself and I'm always been fobbed off. My beef is the surface of it, which is absolute a disgrace. So maybe there are council engineers out there that could help those of us who have to live on this road. Uh, thanks uh, a million. So yeah, so I'm not surprised to see that local people were, were out supporting you as, work, uh, as well. Just outline the work that is needed to make this stretch of road safer, Frank. Well, the, the funny thing about it is some of the haulers would be happy with an extra three feet. Now, more of them would reckon five or six feet, but definitely ten feet would be enough to widen it. We don't want a motorway. But what disappoints me most of all is I was speaking to a lady whose family uh, farm on the roadway and she rang me Thursday morning and I visited her home. And she and her family are willing to give the county council the land free of charge. Wow. Provided that they put a timber railing up and put a, uh, a hedge or something inside it, right? But that lady told me that she contacted the county council and that herself and her family are willing to give the land free of charge because they're so concerned for the safety of the road. Now, she also took me into her front lawn and showed me where there were stones thrown in over the wall where, from the ditch across the road and that when people would see the stones there, they'd stop and they'd actually her lawn with lower, her wall with lower, so they'd actually just put them inside the wall and her lawn. Now, the stones are there for any of us to see. We could go up this minute and see the stones. They're there. And, like... She has also pointed out to me about the numerous accidents that were in that stretch of the road. Now, that's in Farrahy, and uh, near the Kildare. And, like, we all know about it. We all know. We're all getting the phone calls. The Gardaí are getting the phone calls. And, obviously, the council engineers must be getting phone calls, and all the rest of us are getting them. And they're sweet, them all being done about it. Something has to be done. Is there also an issue with people speeding on that road, Frank? Well, you see... Um, the reality is any of the truck drivers that know the road, I, to be fair to my don't think they're speeding because they're all in dread of their life coming down the road. Mm-hmm. Um, no, the local people aren't speeding there either. And the only people that are speeding are people that probably don't know the road and that wouldn't, uh, wouldn't be familiar with how bad it actually is. And that's a, that would be a real concern, wouldn't it? Well, just speeding and it would be lethal, yes. But that entire road, um, Frank, from literally from Mitchellstown to Mallow, 
I mean, it needs major investment. At the end of the day, that is a national route. We, it is. You, you're, you're driving on that road, and it's a road I know really well. And it, it, at times you forget that you're on it because it doesn't feel like a national road. It's like something in the, in, in the third world. It's just careless there. Now, to be fair, from Kildare to Mitchison, I would actually live with it. It's not too compared, but it's the mellow side of it. It's yeah, and the from, sections of it are okay, but it from, does... From any, from, any, from, any Kisha, from any Kisha to Kildare is a disgrace. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you're, what do you hope today's protest will achieve? It's well, just we're, we're hoping that the TII, uh, that the council will tie up with the TII and that they'll get funding. And, and that they, Now, a lot, of the, uh, a lot of the land has been bought by compulsory order, so the council are in, in, in ownership of that. And as I said, this lady in, in, in Ferry uh, said to me, and she has absolutely no problem with me saying it on, on public here where she told me that she gave me her permission to say it, that they were willing to give the land free to, free of charge provided it's been staff, which is naturally enough they would expect them to do that but they were willing to give the land free of charge to make that road safe. Will you bring that to council level? I will of course, yeah. yeah okay, let us know how you get on with that. Yes. Okay, and it didn't cause the good news for people who needed to travel on that road uh, this morning and I know the truck drivers were very aware of that. It didn't cause too much disruption to people. Well it didn't because see, look, to be fair, you all advertised it well all the week for us and anybody that didn't want to be held up went up early and we've even, the shopping in Kildare told us that's fine, they were amazed the amount of people had gone a bit early that weren't going to be held up and like, it was basically the locals and the truck drivers that that, that actually uh, that took part in it and anybody that did take part in the slow drive uh, were willing to do it and, and, and wanted to be involved in it. Okay. So we didn't we didn't inconvenience anybody. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, let's hope that the powers that be are listening, uh, Frank. In the meantime, thank you for that. Thank you. And uh, thanks uh, for joining us on the programme. That is uh, Councillor Frank Roach on that slow moving truck protest that took place this morning. And just on a, a breaking news story, if you have children at school, you'll be interested in this. The government is looking, no, it's looking, at extending the midterm break for schools. Now, we know the midterm break is due at the end of the month. It's that week over Halloween. The Cabinet's subcommittee meeting will meet later today to discuss the idea of, uh, or, or, or sorry, they're also looking at, at um, introducing fines to enforce Level 3 restrictions. But it's been reported that schools would close from the 23rd of October and they would remain closed until the 9th of November. This is a breaking news story from the Irish Independent the, uh, the editor there, Fionn Sheen, says the idea behind it is to restrict the movement of children for two weeks. Okay, I don't quite know how that's going to restrict the movement of children for two weeks because if there's a midterm break, you assume families might decide to get away and have a little bit of a break and go out and about. But anyway, we'll see if we can find out more on that. But I give it out to anyone who has a child in school at the moment, primary or secondary. How would you feel about the children being home for two weeks over midterm? term from the 23rd of October and they will be closed until the 9th of November as I say it's a breaking news story expected to be discussed at the Cabinet Subcommittee meeting at 1850 It's a breaking news story that the government is thinking of extending the midterm break for schools at the end of the month children would be off instead of being off for one week which is tradition with the Halloween midterm break is they'd be off for two weeks schools will close 23rd of October and not reopen until the 9th of November John and Clan says Patricia on schools closing for two weeks. Really? 
crazy. They've been closed for six months. Again, we have to learn to live with the virus and it seems a suggestion has been put forward. Uh, the idea is, is to restrict the movement of children for the two weeks. We'll wait and see what breaks on that. 1850 You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. Some people responding to this, what is a breaking news story, and it's the government considering the extension of the midterm break for schools at the end of October. The idea, they're saying, is to suppress the spread of COVID-19. A government source has said adding an extra week to this year's Midterm break has been discussed briefly, but it is understood that the issue has not been formally considered and no contact has been made yet with unions and schools as of yet. So it's just it's a discussion at the moment, Uh, although keeping schools open has always been a priority of the government and a priority of Neffert since they went back in September. The considerations of other EU countries are also being taken into account and many of other European countries are contemplating closing schools in an attempt to slow the spread of the virus and you know our government and effort are constantly saying we don't want to close the schools so I suppose their thinking is rather than close them completely like they did back in March the idea would be that we would give an extra mid-term break instead of it just closing for a week from the 26th of October to Friday the 30th. That's what the mid-term break is at the moment. The idea is that they would take the following week off as well and the Cabinet Subcommittee for COVID-19 Strategy, they're meeting today. They're discussing recommendations from NEFET after NEFET met yesterday. Now, whether this is going to be discussed or not, we don't know at this stage. But just as supposed to put it out there and let people know that it is being considered. A lot of our listeners are not too impressed with it. Hi Patricia, if it was up to me, the schools wouldn't be getting any time off. They've had enough time off this year so far. Anyway, they won't stay away from each other at all. Who may, who thinks up these stupid ideas? That's from Martin in from Oi. And someone else says, how is two weeks off going to restrict children's movements? So they'll be out and about meeting their friends, especially the secondary school children. That was the first thing that sprang to mind for me when I saw the thinking behind it was to restrict the movement of children. Okay. If you've got smallies in the house, you might be able to restrict their movements. But I was just thinking of teenagers. Teenagers will do what teenagers do. And if they have two weeks off, they're not going to be in school. Of course, you're going to have lots of them out gathering together in towns, in parks. And I know people say the weather won't be great. They'll still meet up. They still look so. I don't, I don't know the rationale behind it. We will keep a close watch on it for sure. Hi, Patricia. I want to congratulate Councillor Frank Roach on highlighting that stretch of road on the Mallet to Town Road, which I know well and I often travel on. This is from Michael in Castletown Bear. It's a driver's nightmare. It's as dangerous and as stretcherous as the Bermuda Triangle. <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't laugh. Um, well done to Frank, though. That's from Michael. Actually, a number of people want to say well done to uh, Frank and the Hauliers for what they did. Uh, Eileen said, well done for highlighting the state of the N73 badly needed work. And that's from uh, Mitchellstown listener who was an N 
Lynn 73 resident. And Heidi says, Patricia, it's great that the guys with the trucks brought this to the fore and highlighted this this morning. I wonder if any of those TDs ever drive on any of those roads and see just how difficult it is. A lot of our roads need to be widened where possible and it's the particular narrow stretch of the road that the hauliers wanted to highlight this morning. Ian on Twitter at C103 Cork says that whole stretch of road from the Ballyhowra turnoff right through to Kildare Village is a major accident waiting to happen. It's too narrow, it's too bumpy, it's full of tractors, it's full of lorries and there's no real passing points. It is a horrible stretch of road, says uh, Ian. And it's a major, it's a national road as well. You're on it and you're thinking you're on a small country road, but but hell, you're not. Uh, Helen says on the lorry drivers and their slow uh, protest this morning, she said they are dead right. It's a nightmare to drive in a car. I can only imagine how difficult it must be for those larger vehicles. Yeah, and a lot of those hauliers are having their wing mirrors whipped off. And then if they get stopped at a checkpoint in the wing mirror is broken they can be fined for that and it's costing them a fortune having to repair their trucks it just is really really unfair okay on other issues can I just um, we got onto the RSA yesterday about this when we were talking about restrictions and we were talking about under level three we are asked to all stay within our own county and a number of people were saying I live in the board I live in the border region and I need to go into another county in order to do either it was a theory test a couple of people contacted us about and somebody else has a driving test for next week in Killarney but they live in North Cork and Brian Farrell from the RSA led us to believe that no you shouldn't travel outside of your county that's what the rules were so we said we'd get on to the RSA themselves to get their response and they say that they believe a driving test is an essential service it therefore follows that they believe it is okay to travel for that purpose if you need to go out of your county go across the county bounds because you're going for a theory test or because you're going for your driving test you will be okay and I actually heard the junior minister, Patrick O'Donovan, the, he's, he's in Limerick, isn't he? Limerick, um, he's the minister of state for the Office of uh, Public Works. I heard him, yeah, he's in Limerick. I heard him actually yesterday speak as well. And he was, he also says, yes, driving tests are an essential service. And if you need to do your driving test, you are OK. So just to allay people's fears there who are worried about should they go and do their test or not. On the churches and the church has not been open for public public services. Mary says in my local church too many people gather at the back of the church and there's very few at the top of the church. I always went to Mass so while I would love to go back there it is they're for and against attending your local church. Plus everyone is in and out of the one door. I'm terrified of the thought of going to church now in case I caught the virus. Mary I don't know if you have been back to Mass and I, I, I take it from that call in that you haven't been back at Mass because that's not the way when Mass was allowed to go ahead up to last uh, Tuesday. Everyone is spaced. There isn't people gathered at the back of the church. You're actually shown in most churches there'll be a steward who will show you to your seat. You're two metres away from uh, everyone. And as far as I know, all of the churches are operating in on one door in, one door out, so that you don't end up meeting people coming against you, for uh, for example. So hopefully when the churches reopen for Mass, Mary, just to allay your fe- fears, go back. You will be fine. They really are doing incredible work 
in all of the local parishes to keep everybody safe and can we say and it's been nobody has there hasn't been a case of COVID-19 as a direct result of somebody going to Mass so that should help allay your fears as well. Tom in Formoy said the schools are open the shops are open the filling stations are open there's queues in a number of shops particularly if you're waiting uh, to pay and then they turn around and they say that the churches are closed for, for masses where people are going in low numbers uh, once a week and it is fully supervised. So why can, so why are the churches closed and yet schools and shops are open with huge numbers? And on that spat, Patricia, between Dr. Tony Houlihan and the government, can they all stop acting like kids? Can they put their heads together and sort things out? That includes those in the public who don't understand tell them all just to cop on I don't quite know what you're in but, it, but on, yeah, on that spat that I was saying I just it, was anno- it annoyed me that this row has raged on all week as to who in government knew what and who told what and who picked up the phone and who rang uh, who I've actually had an email in on, on this as well uh, this is from Jim Daly a former former junior minister himself He says, I couldn't agree more with you, Patricia. It's really nauseating. And at this stage, it's infuriating to see that that row is being drawn out to resemble a soap opera when we are facing a level five lockdown. It's only a matter of when. Way too serious for too many at this stage to be dealing with this uh, nonsense. Well done for calling it out uh, for what it is. And actually, a lot of other people are saying the same thing, that it's just, it just, it was just when they were on about it again yesterday. And then when I came into work and opened the papers this morning, it was all over the papers again. I just thought, come on, lads, time to draw a line under it. And Dermot says it's the media are the cause of all of this, chasing a story and then people having to respond to defend themselves. Miriam O'Callaghan's interview says uh, Dermot with Stephen Donnelly the other night he felt was a disgrace. She kept trying to get him to say something bad about Leo Varadkar instead of talking about the main issues. And I think that's where I am on it as well. There are so many other issues that we need to be worried about and that we need our politicians to be focused on and that we need Neffert to be focused on rather than somebody having to stand up in the doll or somebody having to attend a committee meeting or a Neffert meeting explaining who called who at what time and what exactly did you say and then when you came off the phone who did you ring what time was that check your phone what time just utter, utter nonsense utter nonsense and just it all seems a tad childish to me I have to say Okay, what else is coming in to us over the phones? Off-licences that we discussed yesterday. John said they would need to control the situation with off-licences. The amount sold at the start of lockdown from off-licences, the amount of alcohol was unreal. Uh, John is in agreement with this. There is a suggestion that maybe they'll limit the hours of off-licences. John's suggestion would be open them from Thursday to Saturday, but open them under limited hours only. And on the three network, you remember I mentioned at the top of the programme, somebody contacted us saying they have a problem with the three network in Kildarry. Daniel was on to explain that the three network in Kildarry has been down for the last 10 days. A mast is being upgraded and they're working on it, but it's been going on now for almost two weeks, which that's a very long period of time for people to be without their phones. In the meantime, we've popped an email off to the three network just to see if we can get any clarity on that. Still getting in 
commentary about visors versus face masks. We spoke with Dr. Matt O'Toole, a GP in Dublin, who's calling for them to be banned. And he said the science is there to prove that the visors do not offer the same level of protection as a face mask does. Uh, Jimmy says, I've got a COPD. It's the lung condition. And he said, I'm actually one of the people that's exempt from wearing a mask, but I still get abused. I still get abused or I got abused in a shop the other day because I didn't have a mask on. So I am wearing a, a visor. Can people just please be kind to there are people, we know that there are people who can't wear a face mask for medical reasons such as uh, COPD. Now I know when we contact the Asthma Society about this, you're not exempt from wearing a mask if you have asthma, but if you've got a chronic condition like COPD it is understandable. And the our own HSE are saying that while the face visors are not as good as a face covering but they do say it will still give you some level of protection so I suppose you know rather than wear nothing wear it but just to know that they are not as good as a face mask and remember you're wearing it to protect other people Mavis says listening to Dr Matt earlier he's right it is obvious that visors are not good because there is too much circulation around them I have great difficulty with masks as I suffer from sinuses and I suffer from sinuses all year round but you only have to wear a mask for a very short period of time Take, for example, if you're in doing your shopping in and out of a supermarket or if you've got to go to the doctors or you've got a hospital appointment, they're all for short periods of time. What about the medical staff and the essential services who have to wear them all of the time? You could have doctors and nurses wearing them for full 12 hour shifts. Do you hear them moaning? No, they don't. They get on with it, says uh, Mavis. And even though with her sinus issues, obviously, Mavis, you're finding it difficult as well to wear the mask, but you're doing it for all the right reasons. So a good on you. Well done. Hi, Trish. On the COVID-19 unemployment payment, it is a joke. Listen to this, Melissa. I had a house rented to three people they were sharing it now they've left and they're out of the house with one to two years they're actually out of the country they don't live in Ireland anymore a letter came from them the other day saying their payment would be reduced the Covid-19 payment you know when it got reduced from 350 down to uh, 300 they should be clamping down on this thank you Mary I returned it to the Social Protection uh, Employment Office and I hope you put a note in saying these people know not, not only that they don't live at this house that as far as you know, they don't even live in the country to get them to check up on it. Now, maybe it was just maybe they are living in the country and the address is wrong or something. But I'm hoping that you did more than just return to sender, Mary. You should point that out uh, for what it is for sure. And then on. Oh, this is a nice one. This is from Martin in from Oi. So, Patricia, I was stopped at a guard at the checkpoint this morning. It was just by the sub club in from Oi. I was asked to blow into the bag thing. Breathalyzer. Uh, check. Everything thankfully was okay. Well done, Martin. But what I'd like to say is the guard that was there was just so nice and even had a sense of humour. So people, remember, the guards are only doing their job. Give them a little bit of slack. Didn't get the guard's name, but what a nice bloke he was. Stay safe. And that's from Martin in Formoy. So if there's anyone at the guard station in Formoy listening to us, whoever was on the checkpoint duty at the sub club in Formoy, would you give them an extra bun on their tea break today? Because Martin said, what a really nice, nice person. And that's a tough job when you're stopping people. And particularly all of the checkpoints that are going on now around the border, around you know, the borders between all of the different counties. There's 132 
permanent checkpoints and I imagine some of the Gardaí are getting desperate abuse from people. I did have sympathy though for the people in Dublin who seemed to be held up for hours at some of the checkpoints and then when you got to where the checkpoint was it wasn't really a checkpoint. They were only I still couldn't work out what they were doing. They were only slowing down the traffic. I think what they were trying to get the message out to people don't leave your county because look what can happen. The guard are out and about and we might stop you. I think that was the theory behind it but it's certainly this week it kicked in on Wednesday morning and it was again yesterday. It certainly caused con consternation for people who were travelling and I heard of people being late for medical appointments people being late for children being late for school people being late for work hauliers trying to get to the port on time they could have missed ferries so it did it was huge huge uh, delays and we also thankful that we don't live in Dublin 1850 333 103 Sadie and John Paul are taking your calls you can text our WhatsApp uh, 0862 103 103 C103 Jobs Okay, number of uh, vacancies today. A clinical trial project manager is required for Cork. It's five kilometres from the city. A construction worker with experience in footpaths, concrete work, reinstalling tarmac, etc. And the ability to use and drive mini digger jumpers, jumpers would be an advantage. And a mature person wanted to mind a one and a half year old girl that's in the child's own home in the Mallow area. And Clonakilty Park Hotel, they're looking for a hotel accountant. You do need to have relevant experience, please. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103. Now, a mother of two who was diagnosed with stage three breast cancer during lockdown is fundraising to pay for a drug that could lengthen her life. Carol Troy from Ardmore joins me to discuss her GoFundMe campaign. Good morning to you, Carol. Good morning, Patricia. And you're welcome to the programme. I suppose before we talk about why you need to fundraise for this drug, I need to go back a a bit to earlier this year. Can you take me back to your diagnosis and when you found out that you had breast cancer? Sure. I was diagnosed with stage 3 lobular breast cancer back in February of this year, the 26th of February. So within three weeks of my diagnosis, the whole country went into lockdown So I found myself at home with two young children facing the prospect of cancer treatment, which was going to involve chemotherapy, surgery, radiotherapy, and also trying to to cope with having two children at home, homeschooling. Um, So getting everybody through it and keeping the best side out for the children. So within a week or two of lockdown, I met my oncologist and she outlined how my chemotherapy would go because I was having chemotherapy first. She outlined the side effects I would suffer. And then she spoke to me about chemotherapy in the context of COVID. And she said I had two choices, that we could delay my chemotherapy and see how COVID panned out. Because as I'm sure you're aware, um, chemotherapy affects your immune system hugely. You know, you you lose your ability to fight off infection like a normal person. Mm. And she said as well that uh, the second option was that we commenced my chemotherapy And what would happen is that I would immediately fall into the very high risk category of people um, who contract COVID, meaning I was at serious risk of complications, you know, ICU admission, ventilation, all those things we've heard about. So my question to her then when she laid these two options before me was, well, if we delay, will this affect my prognosis? 
and her immediate answer was yes it will didn't so, give you that didn't give you much choice did it no absolutely not as the mother of two children my immediate answer was well we have to get started so i started my chemotherapy at the beginning of april um, now, normally with chemotherapy, you can have somebody come with you. You know, you can have your, your mother, your sister, your partner, whoever, yeah. just to come with you and get you through it. Because I suppose chemotherapy isn't just about physically getting through it. Um, it's also getting through it mentally for yourself. Well, it's just um, sit and hold your hand and tell you it'll be OK. We're all here for you. Absolutely. Yes. But unfortunately, because of the COVID restrictions, I wasn't able to have anybody with me. So I remember the first day I went to my chemotherapy and I just sat out in the car park with my husband and I cried because I suppose not only was I scared about the chemotherapy because you're you're venturing into the unknown, but I was also so scared about what was going to happen to me, about how was all this going to pan out. You know, mm. you're, you're thrown into a place you've never been before. But thankfully, the the nurses, I have to say, the oncology nurses in University Hospital Waterford were amazing and, and they got me through it. You know, they, they really were they, were. they were just amazing. So I went through my chemotherapy during lockdown and I know for most of the country, the lockdown ended kind of the end of June, start of July, if I'm correct. But for me and my family, our lockdown went on until the middle of August because I didn't finish my chemo until the end of July. And my immune system was still compromised up to middle to end of August. So when I say myself, my children went nowhere for five months, we did not go anywhere. I went to my hospital appointment, I came home and that was the extent of where I went. Total cocooning with no one allowed to visit? Absolutely no one. My parents would come and visit, but when I say they stood in the garden and I stood two metres plus away from them and we chatted for 10, 15 minutes... Um, that was the extent of the interaction I had with my family God, and the ca- same with friends. That's tough, Carol. It's tough for, for most people to be that close to your parents and you can't give them a hug. But yes. but when you add what you were going through? Absolutely. Um, you know, there was days I had dark days. You know, I had bad days. And I would have loved to have been able to phone my sister, phone my mother, phone one of my friends and say, look, any chance you'd come and meet me for a cup of coffee, I really just need somebody to chat to. But I couldn't do that. I I couldn't put myself out there because I was so high risk. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves. 
feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. But I finished my chemotherapy then at the end of July. And I had my surgery at the beginning of September, just over four weeks ago. And I had a lumpectomy and 16 nodes removed from my arm. And two weeks after my surgery, I got the very good news from my oncologist to say that in as much as they could tell, I was cancer free. Happy days. Happy Happy days. days. Just amazing to hear. Um, Now, I don't know if you're aware, but women with breast cancer have a one in three uh, risk of recurrence of their breast cancer. So obviously your treatment doesn't just stop when they, they deem you to be cancer free. So at the moment, I'm on a drug called tamoxifen. Um, I'll be on that for the next five to 10 years. And one of the, the fun side effects of tamoxifen is that it puts you straight into menopause. Oh, and all that comes with that. And all that comes with that. <laughs> yeah, but um, you'll put up with that to keep yourself cancer free. Absolutely. I, I'm just saying, just I'll take it. You know, you do whatever you have to do. Um, another drug that I'm on is uh, every three weeks, I'm getting an injection of a drug called Herceptin. My cancer was a particularly aggressive form of cancer called HER2 positive cancer. Um, and this drug, Herceptin, its purpose is to block any further growth of these HER2 cancer cells. Okay. So when I saw my oncologist, she said, we'll continue with that. There is another drug I would like to put you on called pertuzumab. But she said, unfortunately, you don't meet the criteria to get pertuzumab. Why? And when she's when she says meet the criteria, she means it's not funded for me. Oh. So she explained that as of July of this year, certain cancer patients have been able to get this drug, pertuzumab. Um, because I have had my surgery and my chemotherapy already, I don't tick the HSE box to receive this drug. The computer says funded. The computer says no. Absolutely, it does. Yes. So you know, and this drug would do what, what does your oncologist believe this drug could do for you? It essentially gives me an extra chance at preventing my breast cancer from recurring. Um, and when you're when you're somebody who's faced with a cancer diagnosis, any cancer diagnosis, your life, I suppose, becomes about percentages and statistics. You know, I have a one in three chance of this cancer recurring. So if there is anything I can take or anything I can do to improve my chances, I will do it. I'm 46 years old. I have two young children. I need to be there for them. I want to be there for them. So this drug will help, please God, lengthen my life. And how much is the drug? The drug, I need 18 courses of this drug. Each course of this drug is 3,000 euros. So that is a total of €54,000. Now, in the scheme of things, €54,000, when you look at the HSE's overall budget, it's literally a drop 
in the ocean. A but, drop in the ocean. But when a family with two young children are faced with a bill of 54,000, it's, you know, it might as well be a million. It's, you know, you, do, you, you don't have a bank account where you've got 54,000 to say, OK, I'll, I'll, I'll write the cheque for it. No. But so you decided to, to do a GoFundMe. So initially I was, there was just complete desperation. What can I do? You know, what? So I reached out to several groups on Facebook, uh, the Women's Lives Matter group on Facebook, who, who were founded off the, the, the back of the cervical check scandal. And they encouraged me to start a GoFundMe campaign. So I started it and got some help from friends who, um, you know, pointed me in the right direction, said, look, you need to get it out there to people. You need people to share your story. So people shared it on Instagram, people shared it on Facebook, um, you know, people in the media picked up on it and it were so helpful to me. Um, a lady called Olivia Kelleher reached out and she's been wonderful. No, me. no, she's a great woman. She's a great woman, Olivia. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah. She, you know, she has helped me so much to share this story. Um, and it just kind of took off from there. People picked up on the story. And I think it's because anybody could be in my position. I'm not anything unique. I'm not anything special. None of us knows what's around the corner. I'm somebody who has never been sick a day in my life. I was in hospital to have two babies and that was the extent of it. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's true. Anyone could be, none of us know they were for the grace of God. Any of us could end up in walking in, in your shoes. And, and I was reading some of the comments on Facebook and which I was particularly touched by, you know, where people were saying, oh, you know, I lost a sister on this same journey so many years ago or I'm donating in memory of a of a mother. You know, people... Yeah. Cancer. There's no. There's no family has hasn't been touched by uh, cancer. I I just find it annoying, Carol, that you've even had to go to this length for the sake of fifty four thousand euro. Yes. That someone in the HSE could look at cases. I mean, and there can't be many, uh, but they could look at a case like this and say, "Give the woman the drugs that she needs." For God's sake, it's fifty four thousand euro. Yes. I mean, I'm in still in the middle of active treatment. I'm hoping to start my radiotherapy in the coming weeks. So I should be concentrating on getting my body, my mind in the right place to go through the next stage of my treatment. I shouldn't be thinking, where is this money going to come from? What can I do? And this week has been just a roller coaster. I shouldn't have to do this. It's it's an appalling indictment of our health service and particularly women's health in this country. It's just another example of, of, I suppose, the failure and the failure of women in particular. I can see lots of people by text just saying, what, what an amazing woman. She's an incredibly strong woman. Can we wish her all the best? Best of luck to her. Someone else says, hope. Tell her, stay strong. Best of luck. God will look after her. Somebody else says she is incredible. And then people want you to know about the fundraising. It's a GoFundMe page. It's Carol's Cancer Drug Appeal. And I know when I looked at it yesterday, you were, you were getting fairly close to the 54,000 mark that you needed. Yes. You've gone past it. I have actually gone past it, but well yes, I would like to put it out there that I have gone past it, and and my intention was only ever to raise the fifty four thousand for this drug. So I have pledged that if it does, and I will close it down shortly because you know everybody is under pressure these days for money, and and I will close it down. But if people continue to donate, I'm going to donate some of the money to Breakthrough Cancer Research in Cork um, and UCC because they're doing amazing work trying to find a cure for this horrible disease 
and also to um, the hospice movement because I lost um, a sister-in-law to breast cancer, Susie, a number of years ago. Oh my God, your family um, have been through it. Yes, we've been through it and the hospice movement was just fantastic and helped her and the family through her final days. So just to make people aware that you know, that's where the money will go if they do continue to donate um, okay. because I have reached my target. And how, how are you doing yourself, Karen? How are you feeling? I mean, you, you lost your hair, obviously, through the chemotherapy. I did. I lost my hair. Um, and that was another thing. Um, I was never able to go and get a wig, which I, I wasn't going anywhere, so it really didn't make any difference. But again, with the COVID restrictions, um, I couldn't travel to go and get a wig just to just to make myself a bit normal if people saw me. So, you know, little things like that 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 I wasn't able to do. Um, but I'm doing good. I lost the hair. It's starting to grow back. I'm a bit like Sinead O'Connor at the moment. <laughs> well, um, I've, I, I've seen photographs of you and you're one of those people. You've got a gorgeous face. <laughs> so you can rock that look. So you just, just rock that look. It might be the way to go forward. I yeah, think. <laughs> yeah. You, you never have a bad hair day. Look at it that way. No, Look at it that no. way. But you're doing well and, and your husband and the kids are doing well. They are. They're doing fantastic. Tough They're, on them as well. Really tough on ha- them. You know, it has been really tough on them. No child um, should ever have to watch their parents go through a cancer treatment because it is brutal. You know, and, and I was lucky in that my my chemotherapy went relatively well, but I did have ups and downs with it. You know, I did have dose reductions. And, you know, it must have been so hard for the kids to, you know, to watch me go through, to watch your parent lose their hair, to see them lie in the bed and, and not be able to get up because they just felt so, you know, tired and fatigued. It's a horrible thing. For my husband, he watched his sister, you know, battle breast cancer for a number of years. Uh, and then to, to suddenly be faced with me, you know, suffering the same diagnosis, it has to have been incredibly difficult for him as well. But he has been... You know, he's been amazing. He he has gotten me through it. He's, you know, himself and the kids are, are the reason I'm doing all of this. Okay. I want to be there. Well done. And you will. And, and you will. You're, you're, you're a powerful woman. Uh, Carol, it was a real pleasure uh, to talk to you. Good luck on that drug. Uh, will you, do you have an idea on when you can start to get it? Well, I'm waiting to hear from my oncologist, but I'm hoping in the next week or two Brilliant. to start it. So sooner rather than later. Brilliant. Onwards and upwards. Thanks a million, Carol. Thank you very much. Look after yourself. No problem. God bless. God bless. That is Carol Troy, uh, who joins us from Ardmore. As I say, she does have that GoFundMe page, but she's already exceeded what we'd agreed to do the interview. She needed to get the money in to get to 54,000. But when I last checked before, let me just refresh it again, because often uh, money comes in as I'm talking, which is always uh, terrific. 57,181. It's it's terrific. Well done to everybody who donated to uh, Carol. Uh, Just... And when you think we've all struggled through this pandemic and we've all been given out because we haven't been able to do things or we haven't been able to meet family or friends or you couldn't go to that restaurant or you weren't able to go away on holidays. And when you think of what somebody like Carol has had to go through literally since the start, you know, she got the diagnosis just as we were about to go into full lockdown and she battled and got her chemotherapy and got her radiation and got her operation, what her family would have gone through. And she's just one of many cancer, unfortunately, and cancer diagnosis didn't disappear because we had a pandemic. 1850 Can I give this shout out, by the way, this is a WhatsApp that's come in. Can we help out Mags? Patricia, could you do me a favour, please. I need to use the dryer at the laundrette at Murphy's Gala in Drumalore 
Is there any chance the person who has drying in the dryer that they could please come back and remove the clothes. The dryer has been stopped with the last 30 minutes and Mag said I need to use it and she's there with all of her clothes waiting to dry. So it, so hopefully that person is listening. Have you draw, what have you have you clothes drying at Murphy's Gala in Drumalore? If so, your drying is finished. Can you come and take it out to free up the dryer so that our mags can get on with her day? 1850 333 103. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850 333 103. And just an update for people in the Kildare and surrounding areas who are having problems with their three network and they've been having problems. Some are saying for the last uh, 10 days we got on to three and they've come back to say that the network team have informed them that there is a faulty 3G equipment on the site which needs to be replaced. There are riggers on site today as we speak. They're going to replace it and they say service should resume after that. So a little bit of good news for people on the three network in the Kildallery and surrounding areas. Now as the country officially moved into level three living with COVID plan, a survey by online baby and children's band brand babyboo.ie has revealed that 7 in 10 parents are more organised this year when it comes to Christmas preparations Vicky O'Callaghan of babyboo.ie joins me. Good morning to you Vicky Morning Patricia, now, how are you? I'm very well when it was announced that we might be moving to level 5 we saw queues outside of toy stores nationwide. Are some parents simply afraid that shops will be closed so a bit of panic has almost yeah. set in for some? I definitely think there's a little bit of panic buying going on. Um, like, I suppose we're worried about what's ahead, I guess. And people are also worried that the shops won't be restocked in time for Christmas. You know, if things run out, they're gone, you know. So I think that there's definitely a little bit of herd mentality in it as well, that if ever all my friends are Christmas shopping, maybe I should be doing it too. You know, am I going to miss out on something? So while some people, you know, roll their eyes at the organised Christmas shoppers, this year more than ever, people are really going to have to get ready early. I mean, that's the message, isn't yeah. it? I think so. I suppose what triggered the, the survey was uh, we had were inundated with queries about when our Christmas stock would launch. For the last, at the end of August, we started getting queries about it, which believe. Um, so we were kind of going, oh, well, we never launch until the 1st of November and we like to get Halloween over with. And most people don't particularly like seeing Christmas stock in the shops before Halloween. You know, it's, it's always kind of ice to heaven. But so we, we ran the poll and about 40% of, of parents that follow us came back and said, no, don't put your stock live before Halloween. And then after the weekend, we ran it again after the Netflix recommendations came out uh, in the media and 20% came, were saying, do we don't <sighs> want to see it. So it had increased dramatically. And at that point, um, about we had 48% people had started their Christmas shopping last week and that rose to 70% after the weekend. So lots of people getting online, I'd say, over the weekend and queuing in Smith on Monday morning. Yeah, and there is also that, uh, you know, we know we've got to live with COVID and we know the way shops are operating at the moment. I mean, the Christmas rush, if you're leaving everything to the last minute, you're going to be standing outside shops in the middle of December in freezing cold weather waiting to get in. Yeah, it's a concern. And I suppose there are massive supply chain issues across the board for most brands at the moment. Um, I don't think anyone has been unaffected with, you know, trying to get stock in and, and replenish stock quickly. 
Um, so yeah, I think there are concerns about that. And plus, we don't know if, if retail stores are going to be open, you know. So is Click and Collect going to be available? Are we going to be able to go into shops? Um, we've brought forward our launch date to the 16th now um, because of that demand and because I suppose we're also concerned that if people are going to be crazy shopping, we're going to have a bottleneck of orders that we yeah. need to fill. Yeah, you know? and financial security, Vicky, mm-hmm. isn't a given this year. So no. I'm assuming you've got some parents buying early in case, God forbid, they're out of work coming yeah, up to Christmas. Yeah. There's definitely a lot of budgeting going on, I imagine, this year. Um, and I'd say people are definitely looking forward and seeing, you know, what can we pick up now that, you know, will alleviate the stress coming up to Christmas if, God forbid, you know, we're not working or we're, we're on the COVID payment again or, you know, whatever the scenario might be. So, yeah. Okay. And you, you're you an online store. Did you see a big increase in business this year? We did. Yeah, we did. We've been very fortunate, really, Patricia. Um, it's been our busiest year to date. We're in business six years and the last six months have been unprecedented for us. Um, I think in part because people had no choice but to shop online, but our gift um, area of the website, our gift boxes and, and that side of things just crazy like about 70% of our orders at one point were people sending gifts I suppose to babies that they wouldn't meet or couldn't yeah, meet they, yeah, yeah, there was family ha- members how many grandchildren grandparents admitted they didn't see their yeah. grandchildren you know yeah. for newborn babies for, for months so yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, people outside of Ireland as well like yeah phenomenal amount of gifts going to Australia and America and all over the place you know Okay All right. and the majority of people as well Vicky when you ask them they want to see the back of this year and and they they hope for a better 2021 95% of people can't wait to see the back of it and I'm betting the other 5% didn't have to homeschool Listen Vicky thanks for that and uh, thanks for joining us on the programme Good morning to you there Vicky O'Callaghan and her the online store is Baby Boo B-O-O, babyboo.ie, 1850 uh, Somebody is saying um, politicians, oh, this is um, Carol, who got help her has to fundraise to get that drug to try to keep her cancer free. Politicians can nearly get a thousand euro a week to feed us all kinds of rubbish and they can't afford 54,000 to save somebody's life. That says it all. The possibility of schools closing for an extra week for midterm is being seriously looked at by all accounts by the government. Angelina has contacted us. Now, I don't know if Angelina is a teacher herself or maybe has somebody in the household is a teacher, but she says, I'm delighted that schools are thinking of getting a longer break. Teachers are trying to teach large classes and they can do with an extra break. Teachers aren't babysitters and shouldn't be treated as such. So Angelina very much in favour of giving the extra week on midterm to teachers and she feels it should be done because they need a break rather than it's not been done for that reason though Angelina it's been put forward to try to restrict the movement of children but Angelina sees it as a real positive and I'm sure teachers will agree uh, they could do with an extra week's holidays 1850 333 103 This is Court Today of your texts and calls coming into uh, the programme. Uh, Dinny in Drumahan says, Patricia, could you find out please, why are the home helps not COVID tested? I have three home helps calling uh, to the house and it is worrying for me. Yeah, we, we got on back in the summertime 
we got onto the HSE to ask about this. It's an issue that comes up every now and again on the programme that some people have concerns about the home support workers coming into the houses, particularly, and they work so hard and they move from house to house to house and people are worried about it. But they, the HSE told us that they only do COVID testing on home support workers if they show symptoms. And they also say that they have very low incidence of COVID-19 amongst those workers. They, you know, they're fantastic workers. They hand sanitise, they wear masks where it's appropriate or vice or PPE gear, whatever they need uh, to do to keep everybody safe. And I suppose the one thing is they are they are in the main moving from house to house but a lot of the houses that they're going in and out of are to people who are literally cocooning who haven't moved outside of the house so there's little or no chance of COVID-19 being in one house and then moving it on to another house but I know they do everything for the hand washing and the hand sanitising that if God forbid they picked it up in one house you would, with all of the hand washing and the hand sanitising they wouldn't be bringing it with them and they wouldn't be carrying it on to the next house but I sense your worry and your concern uh, Dini you're not on your own but there is no talk of serial testing of home support workers and other serial testing going on in nursing homes and by the way nursing homes are proving to be a bit of a problem again and a bit of a worry for people who have loved ones in a nursing home and I know it's something we're going to be getting to Monday on the programme just to try to allay people's fears if you have a loved one in a nursing home and I do feel for both residents of nursing homes and for family members because once again now back with level three people are not allowed to visit and that can be really really tough on both the residents and on the family members and people put up with it for so long for months and months and months people weren't able to visit and suddenly we were back and able to visit again and now it's been stopped that it is really really difficult 1850 we were talking about Christmas and that survey showing that people are getting prepared early for Christmas and listener says what is all this fuss about Christmas ok toys from Santa Claus are of course important but less of them would that not be a good idea this year for children and also less spending I think there unfortunately for a number of families I think there will be less spending this year because of families who have found themselves without work because of the pandemic there isn't for some there isn't as much money around so I think that is going to be the order of the day not by choice for many families this year. On mass, I hope the mass will return, says this texture. Father Tom Hayes was very organised in Enniskeen last Saturday, the vigil mass on Saturday evening. It was a really special mass. Colm Cronin was playing and they were singing with the youth choir. Well done to everybody involved uh, there from somebody who attended and attended it and found it a very special mass. And someone else says Mitchestown Church, they've got a uh, one way in and out and they don't have Stewart's said and okay I thought there was Stewart's in all churches uh, but it's not and thank you to Stephen in County Kerry good to hear from you Stephen we haven't heard from Stephen in quite quite some time he was a regular texter but he kind of did a, a switch off with COVID-19 and sort of moved away completely from, from media which is probably a wise thing to do but he's back texting me today and he has sent me on a cutting from a newspaper that was sent to him from a friend in uh, England and it's just a, a short little newspaper article that he thought was interesting and he was wondering what would other our listeners think about it as well and this is to do with the whole issue of herd immunity and it's something that Boris Johnson has been talking about in England the whole idea of just le- letting coronavirus rip 
through society. You protect the vulnerable, but you let everybody else get it. And then everybody builds up herd immunity and you really don't need to worry about a vaccine at all. Anyway, this is a piece from some paper that says thousands of doctors and scientists from across the world have signed a letter which is known as the Great Barrington Declaration. And it's named after a town in Massachusetts where it was conceived. It's the brainchild of three leading epidemiologists from Oxford, Harvard and Stanford universities. So people in the know, very well-educated, well-informed people. It argues for a new tactic of focused protection. The elderly and the vulnerable would be protected. They basically you would cocoon the elderly and the vulnerable while the rest of society would return to normal life. And the idea would be you'd all eventually, if you're in the general population, you'd pick up COVID-19 and then you'd end up building up herd immunity. The letter points out that vulnerability to death from COVID-19 is more than a thousand fold higher in the older and the infirm than the younger. And that for children, it's less dangerous than many other harm, many other harms, including influenza. It declares that current policies are producing devastating effects on public health. These include lower childhood vaccination rates, worsening cardiovascular disease outcomes, fewer cancer screenings and deteriorating mental health, leading to greater excess mortality in years to come, with the working class and younger members of society carrying the heaviest of burdens. Isn't that interesting? People want to check that out. It's the Great Barrington Declaration is what it is called. And I've read a lot, Stephen, on herd immunity, and I don't know where... I sit with it. I've seen experts argue that very point. Protect the vulnerable, protect the elderly and then let everybody else get it. But there's a danger. There's there's one inherent danger in that and we've seen it from all over the world. When you say let, the, let all of society, let everybody else who's not vulnerable, medically vulnerable or who, not older people, let them get it. You can't 100% say that everybody else in the community that would pick up COVID-19, that everybody wouldn't 100% wouldn't die from it. There will, of course, because there has been cases of people without an underlying health condition who've passed away. There's also people that are left with very worrying symptoms after COVID-19. Nobody knows are we going to end up in years to come talking about, say, a post-COVID-19 syndrome. I've heard of people, for example, who were extremely healthy, very fit, active people. I heard of one man and he has ended up with kidney failure from COVID-19 and he's ended up on dialysis. There was that young lad who was on the news who they've they've had to teach him how to walk again because he's had damage done to his, to his nerves around his spine and going down into his legs and he's learning to walk again. I've heard of people who say they'll never work again. There's a young nurse that we interviewed a while ago and she she hasn't worked for months and she's fearful that she may never work again. She talks about brain fog. She talks about the extreme tiredness. So that's the one thing with herd immunity, with letting everybody just get it. Because it's a novel virus, it's a new virus, we don't know for sure what would be, what will be the long-term implications for people getting it. I mean, you would hope that for the majority of people who get it, that it isn't nothing more than feeling unwell for a couple of weeks and that they'll be flying and she'll look at Donald Trump and he's saying it's grand and nothing, nothing to fear. And it's great for people that it doesn't affect that badly. But what about the people that it does? And that's the, my one worry 
when I read anything or when I hear anything about herd immunity. Thank you, by the way, Stephen, and we hope we're keeping well in Kerry and it is good as always to have you along. OK, some other WhatsApps coming in on a variety of different subjects. Jim was on to say, Patricia, I heard a story of a woman stopped at a checkpoint in West Limerick area earlier this morning. She flashed another car after leaving the checkpoint to warn them that there was Gardaí. There was a Garda checkpoint ahead. A Garda spotted what she did drove after her, pulled her over again and issued her with two penalty points and a fine of €80. Euro. So Jim's message is be careful about flashing other motorists. You think you're being kind but it could actually cost you. So be very, very careful. And thank you to a listener who is listening to us in Germany wants to get in on the discussion on what's going on here in Ireland particularly about visors when we spoke about visors and we Dr Matt O'Toole on earlier and he has gone so far as to say as a GP he thinks they should be banned because he said they're not offering the protection they certainly offer nothing like the protection that a face mask offers well this is from a North Cork man living in Germany he says Hi Patricia well the visors are banned here in Germany they don't give you the protection so the government said bye bye to visors you're not allowed to use them anymore COVID-19 cases are high here too in Germany where I live but Ireland had the curve flattened at the start of June. Then the government opened up step by step and within three weeks then they decided to move and go to step four and step five and they decided to go uh, quicker and this then was the cause of all the problems and everything went from bad to worse. Oh my God, look at where we in Ireland are now. It's only a matter of time before level five will be introduced. The owners of wet pubs have been forced to close after only two weeks opened and the guidelines of 15 people outside in the month of October doesn't make any sense. Sorry, but that, that to me is a joke. How can you serve people food and drinks outside in Irish weather? A lot of pubs won't be reopening after this which is sad and Dublin level 3 are four, are in level 3 for 4 weeks and they still have the same amount of numbers what are the government what are the governments looking at the numbers showing that it's not working in Dublin lock the country down go back to the drawing board start a new level 5 of reopening the country with a 3 week period and believe me by early 2021 the curve will be flattened again stay safe from a North Cork man in Germany um, you, you make a lot of sense in a lot of what you're saying but just on the figures for Dublin when I did ask Dr Matt who was based in Dublin it's only this week that the numbers are starting to come down in Dublin and Dublin have been in level 3 now for 3 weeks so I don't know if we're going to have to be the same here in Cork it's going to take 3 weeks for our numbers to come down because that's how long it's taken in Dublin. So level three is working but working much slower than say level five would be and there's a lot of people feeling that level five is where we are heading to because the figures even though decreasing in some areas they are go- they're going up in, in the majority of areas all over the country. John Paul is going to be joining us in a couple of minutes by the way to take a look at Cork City and County and just to see over the last two weeks where the COVID-19 positive cases uh, were. We'll do that in a couple of minutes. The drawn out row that I spoke about earlier as to who told who and who leaked what about Neffert wanting to go to level five. The most important point here is the person who leaked that information and the upset that that person caused and all of the time wasting. It's worrying that anyone would knowingly leak this type of information knowing that what the fallout would be instead of focusing on their work which by the way says this texter they are very getting very well paid for. 
and on the possibility that schools will get an extra week, that school children will get an extra week for the midterm break instead of one week. The government are looking at, nothing's been decided yet, but they're looking at perhaps extending it and giving them two weeks off at the end of October. A listener says, hi, what next? If they give the students extra time off school and they're doing it, they say, to, to limit the restriction of children. Won't children want to go places? They're not going to sit at home for two weeks. And then the older students, the teenagers, many of them will have part-time work, so they'll be out in the community all of the time. It is not making sense at all to that particular texter that they would even suggest extending the midterm break by a week. And another listener says it's the other way they should be going. They should be removing the midterm break. Surely that will help to restrict the movement of children. Children are fine once they're inside, in class, under the supervision of their teachers. But it's when they leave the schools, that's when all the socialising is happening. It would make no sense at all to give them an extra week off take away the one week that they're meant to get says this listener 1053 Development Association, they're having a closed collection today and it's to help fund traffic calming equipment for the village. If you'd like more information about drop-off points, call NULA on 086-825-0876. And best of luck to everybody involved in Fremont because they're holding a collection for penny dinners next Sunday. It'll be in the local hall in Fremont, Fremont between 10am and 1pm. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 Now the government every Thursday updates on gov.ie the local electoral area when it comes to cases of COVID-19 and we know there's been a rising number of cases in Cork over the last week. Uh, John Paul once again has been looking at the numbers for us and he joins me in studio. Good afternoon to you. Good afternoon. Okay, you, we're now looking at the last two weeks. So this is from the 22nd of September up to the 5th of October and these are the confirmed cases of COVID-19. Okay, so talk us through where are the spread of COVID-19 positive cases? Yeah, so we'll start with the Bantry electoral area and the reason I mentioned the towns in that particular area is we keep getting calls and tweets from people asking uh, which town is included in these areas. So here, obviously it includes Bantry, it also takes in Castletown Bear along with the Mizzen and the Bear Peninsula. So here, like last week and the week before, again, less than five cases in the Bantry area so it's been like that for the last number of weeks to Skibbereen then and here Skibbereen takes in Dunmanway Ross Carberry uh, the Banleen and Clonakilty areas uh, last week there was six cases this week there is 13 cases in the Skibbereen electoral area and to Bandon Kinsale then area and here uh, taken in parts of Crossbarry you've Inishannon Timaleague Kilbrishen and parts of Town, and then obviously enough you'll have uh, Kinsale and Bandon there last week there was nine cases in that area this week uh, there are 16 cases in the Bandon Kinsale area and moving to Carrigaline then uh, here we have Barry Garvin, Ringeskiddy and Myrtleville and Crosshaven in the Carrigaline area. They had 22 cases last week, this week 
37 cases in the Carrigaline area and we move into the city and the city started off three weeks ago when we started doing this fairly well and now the Cork City Southwest local electoral area uh, has changed again this week that was the highest one that we had at the very very start and it has changed again that's what it has it was 69 last week it's increased again this week to 90 and so that's 90 COVID-19 cases over the last two weeks in the Cork City Southwest area exactly and again that's taken in Banning College, Wilton uh, Curraheen and some of the Toka areas of the city and then when we go to the Cork City South Central area here we're looking at Toker, the Kinsale Road and Turner's Cross area 43 last week here uh, they're the highest in the city now with 93 confirmed cases in the Cork City South Central area and to the city southeast, looking here towards Rochestown Mahan and Douglas 34 cases last week uh, they've gone up to 40 cases this week and then crossing the river to the northeast towards Glanmire, Mayfield, Tivoli and Montanotti areas. 50 cases last week. This week it's an increase to 73 cases in the northeast area of Cork City and to the northwest area of the city. Here taken in Blarney, Knocknahini, Holly Hill areas. 33 last week. This week it's up to 51. So the big worry then for the city is that Cork City, South Central, Toker, Kinsale Road, Turners Cross... Uh, they've over doubled their amount of cases. They have, yeah. It's That's a, that. That is a real, real worry for that particular uh, area. Okay, move back out to the county then. Back to the county, to the McCroom local electoral area. Here you're taking in Mill Street, Ballingiri, Intragila, Kilmurray, Coachford, Cladove, Arhalan, these areas. They had 19 confirmed cases last week. This week they have 25 cases. And Canturk, like Bantry, and when I mention Canturk, I'm taking in towns like Charnival, New Mark, you have Colin, Kishkane, Bally Desmond, and Milford and Tully Lees all included here, and they're less than five cases, and they've been like that for the last number of weeks. So they're also. the same as Bantry. the Bantry area. Yeah. So little or no, you could almost say COVID nineteen cases in, yeah. in those areas. In those areas, indeed. And then to the Mallow local electoral area, where uh, this does include Lumberstown, Boeing, Glantan, Drumahan, uh, New Two Pot House, Granada, and Liscarroll and Churchtown areas all here within Mallow. Uh, Last week they had 16 cases. It's gone down by one. This week, 15 cases in the Mallow area. And then to nearby Fermoy, which does take in Shambhalimore, Donrell, Glanworth, Rathcormuck, Castle Lyons, Kilworth. Uh, Confirmed cases last week were 26. That has increased to 48 uh, this time around. And then to Cove, which takes in Carrick Tool, Carrick Navarre, Watergrass Hill and Nokraha areas. Uh, They had 30 cases in that particular region. uh, That has gone to 41 uh, this week and finally then in the Middleton local area and there that takes in a large majority of East Cork uh, towards Yall, Ballycotton, Ladies Bridge, Ballymacoda. Uh, 27 cases there in Middleton local area last week. That has increased to 50 this week. That's a bit of a worry, isn't it? Some of the areas that they, I mean, you obviously the city, we've been keeping an eye on the city and worried about the city for quite some time. But you can see it now starting to extend out into the county. Yeah, and those East Cork areas we mentioned, a lot of those will be commuter towns and East Cork towns will be quite close 
to the city. Uh, a lot of people would buy houses from the city uh, in like the Carrigtool and Middleton and commute up and down a lot more maybe than other towns in the Kenturk or Mallow area. So well, obviously they do buy houses and commute from, from Mallow as well into the city, but you have a higher percentage uh, from Middleton and Carrigtool. It's just so close to the city. So maybe that is one of the reasons. But well, satellite uh, it's towns. higher. Yeah, exactly. Okay, all right, listen, thank you for that. And uh, we'll look at them again next week as those uh, figures get updated on gov.ie. They get updated every Thursday uh, and we take a look at them then on Friday morning. Thanks to uh, John Paul for that. 1850 I spoke about herd immunity and that Barrington declaration that some experts have signed up to saying that that's what we're doing at the moment with lockdown and social distancing. We should throw that out and instead go for herd immunity. Michael points out, Patricia, 75% of the population has to be infected in order for herd immunity to establish itself, yeah. That's a huge proportion of the population would have to get COVID-19 for herd uh, immunity. Mary says, I blame the media for all the hubbub about who said what and this is, and who leaked what to who and who knew what that Neffert wanted us to move to level five. There are many Irish people in Australia, according to Mary, getting the COVID payments. That's disgraceful. I know the department have clamped down and they caught a lot of people in the early days who wasn't entitled to COVID-19. I hope there are not still people illegally getting that payment and Mary Mary says I think giving the schools the extra two weeks is a good idea said Mary it might actually break the cycle I know there have been cases in schools I also said Mary wished that the Sinn Féin party would stop trying to break the country with suggestions that we give more money to this that and the other we can't simply afford it I wish they would stop says Mary and Catherine says I think it is crazy having no mass when social distancing distancing is tiered to. Also, if we go into level five, driving licence, NCT, hairdressers and many others will all have to close. We will be back almost in permanent uh, lockdown. And yet all of those places are able to manage with very good social distancing in place. It is crazy planning and it'll cause a lot of needless upset for people and then it'll lead to huge backlogs, says uh, Catherine, who says it's crazy planning on the size of the government and she queries how those plans are put together. 1850 We're going to take a break and we are going to leave COVID there for a while because we're going to change directions on the programme and talk movies with Mark Malone. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cork Today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. And Mark Malone, our movie reviewer, joins me this afternoon. Good afternoon to you, Mark. Hi, Patricia. Okay, you saw a movie for the time of the year that's in it. Yes. Uh, Hoobie Halloween. And then also a movie called Switch. But here is a trailer from Hoobie. It's Halloween Eve. Danger is afoot. I'm going to make sure every citizen in this town is protected. What is that monitor? Looks like you made that sash from one of your mother's scarves. (laughs) (laughs) There's something off in this town. We got an unsolved mystery here. I say Marco, you say Polo. Marco! Weirdo! Oh, Hubie, don't go out there. Shalem needs me. Not sure what's happening in this creepy town. The police department is advising everyone to stay home and lock their doors. Ah, what are we 
screaming at? <sighs> you know what I think done it? A werewolf. Think you've been watching too many scary movies, Louise. Now, I normally, I don't like scary movies at all, mm-hmm. anything to do with Halloween, so I would straight away brush off anything to do with Halloween. But this is a comedy. Yeah, it is. Um, very much so, yeah. I mean, there are scary elements. Uh, you know, it's got okay. a, twi- I think it's got a 12 search, which is just about on the on the edge. PG-13. Uh, does it say 13? Okay. Yeah. Okay. And uh, yeah, which is about right, I think. But anybody so you wouldn't look- have small kids watching it? No, I don't think so. There are some creepy kind of moments uh, to this. And it's also very rude because it's an right. Adam Sandler film. Oh, enough said. Exactly. So I turned to my wife and I said, look, I'm going to watch this thing. It's called Hoobie Halloween. She says, oh, Okay, that sounds interesting. She said, "Who's in it?" I said, um, "Adam Sandler." She said, "Forget about it," because she doesn't <laughs> like him. She just doesn't I don't get either. It. Yeah, yeah, and this is very much a throwback to the kind of films he was making back in the nineties, uh, films like Happy Gilmore, The Water Boy, Big Daddy, and Little Nicky, and and uh, you know films like that, which were very rude and all the time on that kind of side of being just rude and obnoxious and horrible. Uh, but at the same time, you'd have these elements of comedy which would really, really work. You know what I mean? And that's the frustrating thing about the comedies of um, Adam Sandler down through the years and. Again, this is exactly the same. You're either going to love it, you're going to hate it, or, you know, it's just so uneven. There are times when you go, this was, this is very clever and very sweet and very nice, because both films actually uh, discuss the subject of uh, bullying here, because he is just constantly bullied this character of uh, Hubie Dubois. And unfortunately, like a lot of uh, his characters, he has decided, well, look, he's going to have this kind of overbite and a very kind of silly voice, which is what he tends to do. And so he lives in Salem. The um, Massachusetts, the uh, the witch trials, yeah. and uh, of course yeah. he constantly return, re- refers to the fact that his family tried to help the women who were being, um, uh, you know, burnt abused and burnt as witches in the past. So now he sees it as his duty, especially Halloween because he loves Halloween, and he sees it as his duty to go out as a kind of a monitor, um, um, a self-professed and proclaimed monitor, and take care of everybody to make sure that everybody's kind of safe. The problem is that the whole of this the town is, is, is would, would say it be a town or a city? I suppose it's a, it's a town, yeah. a large town. Yeah. They all, they all hate him and so they're constantly bullying him and bullying him. Now I don't know how the people of Salem would feel about being represented this way because everybody apart from one and that's a kind of a childhood sweetheart that he used to have who's still the most beautiful woman in the town and she does have a soft spot for him which in reality of course she would not yeah. but these are the movies and so there's this kind of running joke constantly and the first time you see it it's quite funny where he's cycling down the, 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 the streets all the time on his bike and he's dodging stuff that's coming off camera and flying at his head because people are just hating him and bullying him and constantly and it's, it's really kind of incessant and nasty and uh, horrible. So that, whilst that, all that's going on, there's a number of other subplots. Um, Steve Buscemi arrives as his new neighbour and turns to him and says, you will hear noises at night. Do not come anywhere near the house. So you know how long that's going to last. Mm-hmm. And then we hear, of course, there's uh, somebody who has also escaped from an, an asylum uh, nearby. And uh, also people and children begin to kind of disappear. And they all happen to be the people who particularly have uh, a, a, um, um, a kind of a nasty character and, uh, and bully um, Adam Sandler quite a lot. And so, as I say, the problem is, is that uh, it's going to all depend on whether or not you like this guy and you like this kind of humour. In the first three minutes... He projectile vomits as he's cycling down the street. Oh, please. Um, somebody farts. And if you think that's funny, I don't know. And then somebody, a man pees in somebody's garden. So therefore, that's very much kind of the level of the humour here at times. We Adam Sandler. 
Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so there are some good kind of running jokes. There's a lovely running joke with his mother, played by um, uh, June Squibb, who's lovely in this. She keeps buying these cheap uh, T-shirts from uh, from kind of thrift stores, but they've all got incredibly pornographic kind of writing and uh, pictures on the front. She doesn't understand that. She just doesn't get why, why there people are going to kind of looking at it or going, why, why are you wearing this? So that again runs out of steam after a while once it's been used, you know, three or four times. And he's got this running joke too, where he's got this thermos flask, which can turn into anything. It can be a hose, it can be an umbrella, it can be um, a Hoover. I mean, that, you know, again, that's kind of quite clever. And that's the frustrating bit. There's clever here and there's awful nonsense. And that, in essence, is Adam Sandler's movies. You know. And as, as you say at the start, I would have been with Alma, your wife. Yeah. I wouldn't even sit through an Adam Sandler movie because I know I'm not going to enjoy it. I know it's going to frustrate me. It's going to annoy me. I'll be disgusted at parts of it. Yeah. So, But then there are people who absolutely think yeah. he is the greatest. And if you're a fan, you're going to love it. If not, yeah. beware. Yeah. yeah, teenagers, I imagine, are going to particularly like this. Uh, Did possibly. your teenager watch it? Uh, d- no. no, I said it no. to her. Did she want to win? She's, oh, no. Sandler. No, she's not a fan. No, no wow, okay. Yeah. Or mark it out of uh, six. Six. Yeah. Okay. All right. Leaning more towards the Adam Sander fans. Now, there's an, there's an, an, you watched another comedy for us, and this is called Switched. This yeah, is, uh, as you say again, this is to do with bullying. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, but it's also one of these uh, body swap movies, and you know we've had so many of these down throughout the years. You know, big. I suppose Tom Hanks wanted, you know, he dreamt about being big because he didn't want to be a little boy anymore. With Freaky Friday with um, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, she swapped uh, bodies with her daughter. I don't know if you've seen that. Which that was a good movie. Uh, Thirteen uh, going on thirty. Jennifer Garner. There have been so many of them uh, down throughout the years. So it's kind of lazy, really, to think all of a sudden, well, look, let's do our own version. There's been so many of them. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And it's, 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 I suppose it's a tried and trusted kind of formula. And it's exactly the same as you'd expect. And it follows every rule and every road uh, that you would uh, expect it to. And it, and it actually does. And um, it's kind of a mix between, kind of, I don't know if the, you've seen the film Mean Girls yeah. and kind of a body swap movie. So of course you've got the bully. We're talking about high school here. Okay. And you have the popular girls who are all beautiful and all look after each other and are, are just stunning and incredibly popular. And then you've got all the nerds uh, who they bully constantly. And and uh, so one of those nerds uh, is played here by uh, Maya Horcher and she decides, look, she's getting fed up with being bullied by especially Katie Sharp, who is the the, the beauty of the school and she's loved Miss by... Miss Popular. Yeah, she's got like 100,000 followers on uh, Facebook and Instant. on Instagram. Yeah. And, she, she's, and, she, and of course, um, and um, uh, Maya Horcher is kind of jealous of her. Uh, but then she's constantly... She wears glasses, put, I bet you, does she? Well, this is the thing. Of course, we know she's a nerd <laughs> because she's got her hair tied back and wearing glasses. <laughs> but of course, she's incredibly beautiful beautiful and of course that doesn't work and of course you know Hollywood we can't cast a plain girl in a role we can't do that so that's a load of all nonsense and unfortunately that's one of the parts that really don't quite work she dreams of being uh, the the beautiful girl and says wouldn't it be great if this girl the beautiful girl the bully in the school spent some time in my shoes and knew what it was like to be bullied all the time they both wake up the next morning guess what they're in each other's bodies and like the first thing the nerd girl now in the body of the beautiful girl does instead of freaking out the fact that she looks completely different goes to the beautiful girl's um, wardrobe and goes aren't her clothes amazing instead of freaking and you think what and then they meet up and then instead of going to their parents instead of going to the police instead of going to psychologists instead of going to scientists to find out why they've swamped bodies they go 
nah, let's go to school. And so, and so, it's a movie. It's a, it's a movie. And they spend, of course, the next hour and a half becoming better people and realizing that beauty is skin deep and that underneath it all, we all love each other and we, we should love each other. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And how long have they body swapped for? For most of the movie until very much the very end. And guess what? They swap back at the end. Oh, so I've just given it away. Blast. But they're all better people at the end of it. Uh, very much so, yeah. Okay. As you'd expect. It was made during COVID-19, by the way, oh. because that's how quickly that it, this was made. And there is a lot of hugging in the film. And I wondered how that was done, because I don't know if you've seen, you know, these American soap operas, uh, like The Young and the Restless, that they have in, in the afternoons in mm. America. <laughs> if you go online... The actors are kissing mannequins and it's quite oh, obvious. Yeah. And yeah. it's so funny. But here they actually do kind of, uh, they do hug. So I was wondering how they would. Well, they put they people that. into bubbles, don't they? They must have done that. I know for the making of, the, of any of the television programmes, they all go into this bubble. And they, I know Anton Deck, they're doing the Britain's, Britain's Got Talent. Yeah. And they've had to go into a bubble. I'm a celebrity getting yeah. out of here. Is uh, that yeah, no, that's coming up next. Oh, yeah. They're doing Britain's Got Talent at the moment, but they've been basically living together and they don't interact yeah. with anybody else. It, so, yeah. so it is possible uh, to do it. And there's a, isn't Matt Damon? movie going on at the moment it is. they were in care in Country Prairie filming as well so they're all in, in a little bubble um, and then the James Bond movie that got pulled it got delayed yeah along with Batman it, and but they're ready to go are they uh, well they have it made yeah but of yeah. course they're worried about people not going to the cinema so they've delayed it and delayed it and delayed it uh, they've stopped filming Jurassic World because somebody on, on set has Covid and that's the second time that's happened they've delayed Batman which is almost pretty much done I think but again uh, Robert Patterson you know, who's playing Batman, he got COVID as well during the filming. So, yeah. you know, even though they have them in a bubble. They can still get it. They're still getting it. Yeah. But they delay it because their big movies that cost a lot of money. They need bums on seats in cinemas. These they? cost huge amounts of money. Tenet did OK. It did OK in China, but it hasn't made any of uh, the, the kind of money that they expect and wanted it to get back. And unfortunately. And, so uh, so yeah. you can understand why they're delaying it. Exactly. Okay. So Switched, uh, you can watch at home. Uh, can you mark that out of 10? It's not terrible. I think young girls, I think, will love it and like it and enjoy it. Uh, I'll give it five. Five out of 10. OK, that's Switched. OK, and you're with us in 10 minutes time. You're taking I'm over for, for Nick. OK, we look forward to hearing you throughout the afternoon, Mark. Thank you for that. And we'll chat with Mark Malone, our movie reviewer, again next Friday.
Mariah Carey on C103 and that is a lovely track called Hero. Now some people texting in about the figures that we gave. These are the figures that have been released for the various local electoral areas. They update the map on a Thursday and it's for the two weeks from the 22nd of September through to the 5th of October. Uh, Listener says, hi Patricia, Um, I'm just back in for my own GP in Bantry and they told me to take extra care as COVID cases are going up and up in the Bantry area. So I'm confused by the figures you've just reported. I also know of two people who tested positive just five kilometres from me so it isn't adding up because up to the 5th of October the confirmed cases for the Bantry area was less than five which means the cases are between zero and four. Now Remember, this is up to the 5th, which would have been Monday. So unless there has been cases confirmed on Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday. So we'll have more clarity on that next Thursday. But uh, and I know I was trying to get through to John Paul, but he's uh, he's talking, he's speaking on the phone at the moment. We are hoping to speak with the West Cork doctor next week. I don't know if we're doing that Monday or not, just to talk about cases and are they seeing a spike in numbers? But according to that listener, uh, her GP in Bantry telling her to be very, very careful. Somebody saying what were the numbers for the Canturk area? They're less than five. So that's the zero to four. It's been like that for weeks in the Canturk area. And somebody also is saying what were the, could you repeat the figures for Skibbereen electoral area? The Skibbereen electoral area this day last week, we were rec- reporting six cases for the previous two weeks and that has jumped to 13. So there's certainly has been cases across the West Cork area because the Bandon Kinsale area and remember these are huge electoral areas they were nine this time last week and then they have jumped to 16 for the week for the two weeks up to the 5th of October so certainly there has been a rise in uh, cases. Okay and a listener says in the name of God this is on schools we might as well shut the schools completely at this stage and put the teachers checks to better use. They seem to be spending more time at home than they are at work this year. As your listener says how can those people going to school spend what will they how will they spend their time if they're off school? What will they do? They'll be out and about meeting their friends. They'll be bored. Keep them in school where they're safer. They're accountable and surely they're more productive when they're in school that's from Tim in Yall will be very against an extension of the midterm break which is being suggested okay that's where I've got to leave you for today and indeed for this week my thanks to John Paul and to Sadie for taking your calls Mark is in for Nick for the afternoon we're back with you Monday morning at 10 onto the 9 Patricia Messenger look after yourself and stay safe A lot can happen in the next three years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend but what won't change needing health insurance United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade.